Thanksgiving celebrations were an English traditional day of fasting and prayer rather than feasting and celebration. It remained this way until the two celebrations merged in the 19th century. Ironically, football was a part of Thanksgiving before the story of the pilgrims came to dominate the day. And with that, the modern holiday of Thanksgiving was pretty much in place, being a hodgepodge of feasting on turkey and pumpkin pie, a nearly complete misunderstanding of the pilgrims of the Massachusetts colony, football, Abraham Lincoln, and finally, the official beginning of the Christmas shopping season. If you factor in advertising dollars and the amount of time spent in stores, it could easily be argued that Black Friday now overshadows Thanksgiving in the United States. I am sharing an article from gothichorrorstories.com and I will include a link. I strongly encourage you to check out the article for yourself because I do include my opinions and commentary as I'm reading and sometimes I change the wording slightly because it seems like the person who wrote these articles is British or something. The English is a little different. If you're interested in the actual original wording, I encourage you to check out the article for yourself. And the the website has a lot of other really cool articles. They say the website is about the witchery arts, so they have curiosities, travels, you can learn more about the author. It starts out, if you click on author, it says, my grandfather was a grave digger. My granny Bert kept a garden and used techniques which a couple centuries earlier would have had her burnt as a witch. I grew up in a haunted house and find myself living there again 40 years later. The first time I saw a ghost I was so young I didn't even know to be afraid. Keeping me company here is the love of my life, my wife, and her roots stretch back to Salem and the witch trials, and of course along with whoever makes those footsteps in the blue room and leaves little presents around the house. I come to this shit naturally. There's a lot more to it. I just find the writing style very entertaining, and obviously this person has some cool stories. The part where he says the first time he saw a ghost he was so young he didn't even know to be afraid. That is so relatable because one of my earliest memories is of getting up in the middle of the night to go pee and I was like potty trained very early. I was definitely under two. I think I was like just over walking age or whatever. Like I don't know my mother's dad was like 15 months old or something. I don't know. I was young. So I can remember getting up to go pee and I remember still wearing you know those little training pants undies. It's hard to explain. It's like a back in the day thing. If you're an 80s baby you might know what I'm talking about. But anyway, I had to stop at the doorway because a couple people were walking down the hall. I remember looking up at them and they were wearing strange clothes and they were talking to each other. They didn't look at me. They didn't acknowledge me and they just walked by, but I knew they weren't real. It's such a strange memory, but I wasn't afraid of them. I let them go by and then I went to the bathroom and it was just I don't know. It's one of those bizarre early memories that I have. I'm pretty sure those were ghosts. They were tall. I mean, tall to me because I was really little. I just remember looking up at them. At least one of them was wearing this hat, like a round hat. They were wearing these suits that with like pinstripes. It was like black suits with white pinstripe. Very weird. Anyway, in this episode, I want to talk about the American myth of Thanksgiving. I want to get into some of the real history of Thanksgiving. So let's get into it. The truth about Thanksgiving and the creation of an American myth. Thanksgiving is the most Norman Rockwell
Rockwell of all our holidays. Rockwell's paintings show us a mythologized past of America in the middle of the 20th century. For some of us, it's not far off the mark, but for most, it's an America which never existed. Yet, like America, the holiday is a melting pot of traditions, taking its place in the myth-making process of our nation, reaching for its roots all the way back to the beginnings. A country's myths can serve many purposes. They can inspire us to try harder, to reach for ideals which got us through tough times in the past. They can make learning and remembering history easier by dispensing of details, even important details, all in the interest of simplification. And finally, they can serve as propaganda, particularly when they're combined with the last point of dispensing of details. We've certainly strayed from the ideals of the first Thanksgiving because those ideals we grew up with for the most part were the result of fiction. The idea that the pilgrims sat stoic in their black and white costumes, leg wrestling with Native Americans in peace, harmony, and feasting on turkey and pumpkin pie is, well, bullshit. In truth, Thanksgiving is as much turkey and shopping as Miles Standish and Squanto. The earliest settlers in Plymouth did hunt and cook turkey, but it was considered a common meat and likely not served at the harvest feast, which we later associate with Thanksgiving. Nor did the pilgrims wear all black. I know, that might be disappointing to goths all around the world. Back in the days of Henry VIII and the English Reformation, the Puritans got it in their heads to eliminate all holidays associated with things papal and replace them with days of thanksgiving and fasting. This was all to celebrate days of special importance, those days when God reached down and plucked them from adversary. The first day of thanksgiving on the North American continent can be traced to St. Augustine, Florida on September 8, 1565 by the Spaniards. There were other celebrations of Thanksgiving in Texas and the Virginia colony that also predated the traditional first Thanksgiving in Plymouth, Massachusetts in 1621, but those celebrations don't count because they didn't lead to a sustained tradition, or at least that's what we're told. But that charge could also be leveled at the Plymouth celebration as well. The celebration held in Plymouth, or on Plymouth Plantation as it was known at the time, wasn't even a Thanksgiving celebration. Instead, it was a harvest celebration and it was likely held in October to celebrate the fact that the men and women of the Mayflower Compact had managed to turn out a decent crop, greatly improving their chances of surviving their second winter in the New World. This was after the first winter had nearly decimated their population. Since it couldn't have been done without the Native Americans of the area, they came along for the party. The Native Americans tell a somewhat different story though, making their presence more of gate crashers bearing gifts than invitees. But without help from the Native Americans, the English settlers of Plymouth would certainly have starved. At the Harvest Festival that we came to associate with Thanksgiving, the main meat on the menu was probably venison and it was probably provided by the Native Americans. They were also gate crashers though, and they showed up unannounced rather than being invited. There were only two descriptions of this event. The first, by Edward Winslow, states, quote, 
and God be praised, we had a good increase, our harvest being gotten in, our governor sent four men on fowling, that so we might after a special manner rejoice together after we had gathered the fruit of our labors. They four in one day killed as many fowl as, with a little help beside, served the company almost a week, at which time, amongst other recreations, we exercised our arms, many of the Indians coming amongst us, and among the rest their greatest king, Massasoit, with some ninety men, whom for three days we entertained and feasted, and they went out and killed five deer, which they brought to the plantation and bestowed on our governor, and upon the captain and others. And although it be not always so plentiful as it was at this time with us, yet by the goodness of God we are so far from want that we often wish you partakers of our plenty. The governor of the colony, William Bradford, has this to add, quote, They began now to gather in the small harvest they had, and to fit up their houses and dwellings against winter, being all well recovered in health and strength, and had all things in good plenty. For as some were thus employed in affairs abroad, others were exercising in fishing about cod and bass, and other fish of which they took good store, of which every family had their portion. All the summer there was no want, and now began to come in store of fowl. As winter approached, of which is place did abound when they came first, but afterwards decreased by degrees, and besides waterfowl, there were great store of wild turkeys, of which they took many, besides venison, etc. Besides, they had about a peck a meal a week to a person, or now since harvest, Indian corn to that proportion, which made many afterwards write so largely of their plenty here to their friends in England, which were not feigned, but true reports, end quote. As Bradford states, there was a great store of turkeys, though a keen eye will note this isn't in relation to the celebration. In fact, Bradford's account was lost for decades afterwards, and by then, through an entirely different route, Thanksgiving and turkeys went arm and wing. That Bradford sent a fowling party likely indicates that the men were in search of less common birds, more tasty and more in line with a feast than the ubiquitous and somewhat gamey wild turkey. The main course, it would appear, would have been venison, as well as cod, eel, and other seafood. No cakes, no pumpkin pies, no sweet potatoes either. Much to my chagrin, they didn't wear black hats with buckles, as that fashion didn't come into being until decades later. In addition, they were rather fond of colors, as any visitor to Plymouth Plantation today will soon realize. Though we tend to think of the settlers at Plymouth Plantation as a pious lot, in reality it was divided between those fleeing religious persecution and those simply looking for a new life in the new world. Eventually, this led to a split in the community, with those tired of living under strict religious rules abandoning the plantation and settling elsewhere in what would become New England. It should be mentioned that more than half of the original colonists weren't separatists, therefore not bound to the strict love of God mentality that we think of when we think of the colony. This led not only to internal strife, but an abandonment by those looking for religious freedom, as opposed to the religious oligarchy that the pilgrims sought. Still, it's a safe bet that a lot of giving thanks to God for the harvest was done, even as the Native Americans must have looked on in wonder, and the non-separatists might well have helped themselves to an extra store of beef. 
beer. The first actual proclaimed day of Thanksgiving took place in 1623, and it doesn't appear that there was much in the way of feasting, nor were the Native Americans invited. Instead, it was likely a day of fasting, certainly a day of solemnity and prayer, to give thanks to the Almighty following an urgent plea for his help earlier that summer. The exact reasons vary. Some say God bestowed his grace and lifted the drought which threatened the crops in their survival. Others say his grace was bestowed because that summer the colony gave up on socialism and moved to a free market economy. As any Republican will eagerly tell you, the supreme being always gives a thumbs up when people give up socialism for capitalism. <laughs> oh gosh. Yet another Thanksgiving was held, it appears, in 1637 to celebrate the return of many of the company's men who had traveled to Mystic, Connecticut to lend aid in the Indian wars there. While it appeared that the Plymouth contingent arrived too late to take part, this conflict included the massacre of over 700 Pequot men, women, and children. Governor Winthrop proclaimed the day to give thanks for their great victory, and this one did include a feast rather than a fast. Native Americans have held a national day of mourning since 1970 to remember the horrors inflicted upon them since the first Thanksgiving, with the main celebration being held on Coles Hill overlooking Plymouth Rock. Squanto is still remembered. Squanto was the Native American who came to the colonists and taught them farming, fishing, and hunting, and without his help, as well as that of the Wampanoag tribe under the chief Massasoit, they likely would never have survived. Squanto was actually of the Patuxet tribe who once lived in the exact spot that the separatists made their home. Squanto had been away for many years as a slave to the Spaniards, and on his return, he found the Patuxets had been wiped out. Had they still been there, the pilgrims would likely have been annihilated. Instead, they found the Wampanoag. To show our gratitude, we waited until 1987 to formally recognize them as a legitimate tribe, hence in one small part, the day of national mourning. So as you can see, even though the Massasoit and Squanto helped the pilgrims so much, they really got no recognition, no appreciation for that. Or I should say they got no recognition until 1987 which is literally 360-something years after the fact. Periodically, our leaders, as well as individual states, would proclaim a day of thanksgiving until George Washington proclaimed in 1789 that we as a nation should observe, quote, a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many and signal favors of Almighty God, end quote. The holiday came and went until 18. 1963, when Abraham Lincoln set the date as the last Thursday in November and continued with the religious theme of thanking God and praying. Following the Civil War, traditions started loosening up and games and feasting were becoming common occurrences in conjunction with the holiday in New England. As shooting was one of the sports involved, and while turkey was plentiful, turkeys once more stumbled into the story. Pumpkin pie was introduced into the canon, but some dishes, such as the surprisingly tasty pigeon pie didn't make the cut. Football made its first appearance in relation to Thanksgiving in the late 1800s on both a collegiate and professional level. Ironically, Thanksgiving wasn't associated with the pilgrims until the very end of the 19th century and the beginning of the 20th century. By then, the story was little more than a myth and a way of teaching children about the importance of giving thanks for what you have and to create an idealized version of the founding of our country. President Roosevelt moved the date up a week in 1941, 
1, in part at the urging of the Federated Department Stores, later Macy's, to give merchants a longer period of time to sell Americans goods for Christmas, in hopes that it would boost sales and help America out of the Great Depression. Republicans howled in outrage at Roosevelt, a Democrat, for besmirching the name of Lincoln by changing his date, and also for screwing with the football schedule, which was set well in advance and was scheduled to end each year on Thanksgiving Day. Eventually, Congress stepped in and returned the holiday to the last Thursday of the month until malcontents in the Senate changed it to the fourth Thursday in November, which had the effect of moving the date up when November had five Thursdays. Thanksgiving celebrations were an English traditional day of fasting and prayer rather than feasting and celebration. It remained this way until the two celebrations merged in the 19th century. Ironically, football was a part of Thanksgiving before the story of the pilgrims came to dominate the day. And with that, the modern holiday of Thanksgiving was pretty much in place, being a hodgepodge of feasting on turkey and pumpkin pie, a nearly complete misunderstanding of the pilgrims of the Massachusetts colony, football, Abraham Lincoln, and finally, the official beginning of the Christmas shopping season. If you factor in advertising dollars in the amount of time spent in stores, it could easily be argued that Black Friday now overshadows Thanksgiving in the United States. The one aspect of Thanksgiving which is increasingly disappearing is that of giving thanks to Providence for getting us through another year, another crisis, and the reverence of dedicating one special day to that purpose. Instead, the act of giving thanks becomes more abstract, more personal, and less of a national moment where we all come together. And this is a shame, because after the past year, I think the fact that we haven't killed each other yet is something to be thankful for. Okay, those weren't my words. Those were the words from the article. But I totally agree. Totally agree. And now, after reading this, after learning more about the true history of the United States and of Native American people and of all of the oppressed peoples around the world, I definitely have a different perspective, different opinion about Thanksgiving as a holiday. I do think it's important to take some time to give thanks for the things that have gone well in your life and to just acknowledge how fortunate you are to still be alive and to have the things that you have. But I don't appreciate all of the lies that are intertwined in the history and the way they tried to make everything just seem so beautiful. I didn't realize Miles Standish was such an awful person. I don't have confirmation, but I truly believe that the Patuxent tribe was massacred. I don't believe that they died out from disease. I think it's awful that Squanto was enslaved and I don't know, the whole history of it is complicated, but it's mostly negative. It really is. And that's obviously not what they teach us in school. There's just so much. So thank you so much for taking the time to learn more about the real history of Thanksgiving. And thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to Path of a Greenwich podcast.